Phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe laid the foundation for what amounts to be countless hours of superhero epicness. But in the aftermath of the Avengers, we got six new films in phase two to elevate the genre. Today, we'll take a look at what the DC Extended Universe would look like in phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe formula. Hi there, this is TJ, and this is part two of the very special multi-part episode where I imagine a universe where the DC movies were created by K-E-V-I-N, aka the fictional but also not quite so fictional robot that makes the decisions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Essentially, I'm taking the DC properties and just smashing them into the Marvel formula. As I mentioned, this is part two, so if you miss part one, highly encourage you to go back and give that one a listen. It's here on the podcast feed or also on YouTube, wherever you're listening. And while I do think you could enjoy this episode probably by itself, I am building off of everything that has come before. So highly encourage you to check that one out if you have not. And give it a like, leave a comment, all of that fun stuff while you're at it. Before I jump into the six new movies that are going to be taking place in phase two of this version of the DCEU, uh, I do want to just touch on a couple of things. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast feed and you are not yet subscribed on YouTube, I highly encourage you to do so. I did just put out a, a message in a video there exclusively on YouTube uh, talking about a change in the schedule of my content. So um, going to be focusing strictly on the main episodes of the podcast. Uh, as far as podcasts go, that means unfortunately no more bear market, no more bull market uh, also means that. Uh, reviews are going to be much more sporadic and one-off events. The reasoning behind that is just so that I can focus on putting out a better product, uh, recruiting some uh, really interesting guests to come join me as well for future episodes. So I explain all of that and more in the YouTube video. So I highly encourage you to check that out if you're interested in learning more about what the future of the podcast is going to look like. And also, if you're a fan of Pokemon and you are wanting to check out the new Pokemon Scarlet or Pokemon Violet games, uh, I'm also doing a giveaway on that video as well. So definitely give that a look. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube right now, I'm going to go ahead and put a link to that video right here. And we'll also include a link to that video at the end of this one. Uh, and we'll throw it in the description too while we're at it. Why not? We'll make it easy for you. So this was originally going to be a four-part episode and i gotta be honest with you there's a reason i'm not a writer uh, because there is a lot to keep track of as you are uh, you know putting in work and, and you're researching and you're essentially writing uh, a universe that these movies are taking place in and i'm like not even coming up with this stuff from scratch i'm pulling things from comics and pulling things from existing dc movies existing mcu movies and it's still it ends up being a lot of work. So uh, what we're going to do is this episode is going to be dropping. Obviously, if you're listening, it's already available uh, and it's going to be the final part of this special episode 304. So we had part one and this is going to be part two. I am going to also 
somewhere down the line, do a uh, special podcast slash video on phase three of this same exercise where we're going to be putting the DCEU in the Marvel formula. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but it is going to happen. So stay tuned um, because phase three is a lot more movies. These first two phases are only six movies. So I can deal with that as far part of this uh, multi-part special here. Uh, but phase three is going to be a little bit more work. And I want to make sure that I'm dedicating the time uh, to putting into those to that episode as well. And then I do want to also continue on into phase four. But uh, if you're familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe at all, you'll know that phase four is ongoing. So I kind of want to wait and see where things go with phase four, maybe wait for that to wrap up before I uh, even try sticking that one in here as well. So that's going to be the plan overall. This is going to essentially conclude this series for the time being. Eventually, hopefully soon, I will jump into phase three. And then once the Marvel Cinematic Universe at least starts to wind down, uh, maybe I'll jump into phase four. And I might even start with a you know, a, a chunk of those movies and TV shows. And that's really what it boils down to is phase four of the MCU really is incorporating TV shows now on a regular basis. So there's a lot more to cover. But with that, let's let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, at the end of part one, we obviously wrapped up with the equivalent of Marvel's The Avengers, and that is the Justice League. And uh, in 2017, that's when this is taking place. So I did touch on the fact that I'm starting the DCEU at the same year that it started with Man of Steel in 2013. Uh, we're just going to follow the formula that Marvel laid from that point on. So in this hypothetical, you know, alternate reality, uh, the Justice League comes out in 2017, which I think is actually the year it, that movie did come out in real life as well. Funny, funny enough. Quick recap of Justice League. Uh, we basically made Marvel's The Avengers, uh, but we slapped the Justice League in there uh, in place of the Avengers, obviously. And then we uh, also threw Steppenwolf from the real life Justice League movies and the Parademons in for Loki and uh, the Chitari army. And so it basically following the same beats of Marvel's The Avengers, it ended up with Batman planning to sacrifice himself in the final battle the same way Iron Man does. But ultimately, Wonder Woman instead decides that she's going to make that sacrifice and she's falling from the sky. Superman catches her. So everyone survives. And then we ended up with a post credit scene where we teased Darkseid in the halls of apocalypse. Uh, I did mention, I think the uh, line from Thanos, I'll find I'll do it myself. And I did catch myself after the fact that's actually the post credit scene in age of Ultron. So I did get a little bit ahead of myself here, but um, I did take that into account as I uh, outlined these next six movies. And uh, the first of which taking place of Iron Man three is going to be Batman three. So Batman 3 is coming out in 2018, one year removed from the Justice League. This story is going to be inspired by the events of Iron Man 3 uh, in that this is going to be a much more solo adventure. Iron Man 3 is very divisive because people either love it or hate it basically because of the way that it just disregards essentially all of phase one, um, though you do get Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark sort of dealing with the repercussions of the events of the Avengers, um, but we don't really see much beyond that as far as ties to the overall 
uh, larger universe. And I kind of like that. I think there's no reason we needed to stray from that in this formula. And another unique aspect about Iron Man 3 is it actually takes place around Christmas. Uh, so some have argued that it is, in fact, a Christmas movie. And another way we can tie into Batman is incorporating a, a holiday. And what better holiday to incorporate with a Batman story, a iconic Batman story, the long Halloween. So that is the other story inspiration that we're going to be looking at for this entry. The characters that we're going to see in this movie is obviously going to be Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh, Alfred, we're going to see Lieutenant Gordon, who's been promoted uh, from the rank of detective to lieutenant. Uh, we're going to see Harvey Dent, uh, not quite two-faced just yet. So Harvey Dent, as I believe he's a uh, criminal prosecutor, if I'm not mistaken, or at least that's what he was in uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. I could be entirely wrong. If I am, I'm sorry about that. And then the villain that we're going to get in this story, if you're familiar with The Long Halloween, you get this mystery killer known as the Holiday Killer, who is killing someone from uh, one of the crime families of Gotham every month. And ultimately, we're also going to get the origin and reveal of Two-Face. Quick uh, story beats on this one. Uh, Batman is reckoning with his role in the world compared to the super-powered heroes uh, that he just fought alongside in Justice League after he was unable to make the sacrifice in the events of that movie. Uh, he's lacking motivation to get involved in this just very human down-to-earth crime and these crime families. Uh, so this is going to follow the long Halloween storyline pretty closely with fewer villain cameos than we would get in those comics. Uh, but notably, we are going to get an extended cameo from uh, the Riddler, who we've already seen in this version of the DCEU. We're going to get Calendar Man introduced, who plays a interesting role in the Long Halloween comics. And there's also a mention of, quote, her having run off with, quote, the clown. So I think a lot of you can kind of gleam what that means. And finally, we're also going to get Catwoman introduced, uh, Selena Kyle, with a hint of romantic chemistry and flirtation uh, with Bruce Wayne, Batman. And then finally, like, like I already uh, mentioned, we are going to get the origin story of Two-Face here as part of this film. The, this is ultimately going to anger Batman as he had felt comfortable working with uh, who he felt were great, trustworthy men like Harvey Dent and uh, Jim Gordon. Uh, rather than put his loved ones at risk, we already had that theme of uh, Rachel and um, Robin slash Nightwing um, being his loved ones that he felt he had too close and was putting them in danger. So we're going to see a little bit of that theme coming back into play here. And so basically it's going to be a very solo Batman story where he is going to rely on um, Harvey for most of the movie, obviously before he turns, um, he's also going to rely on Gordon and Alfred as his, um, you know, his number two guys, their number two and three guys, I guess, technically um, his trustworthy friends. Um, but ultimately he's going to be the one that triumphs over Two-Face, locks him up, and also it's revealed that the holiday killer is a member of the uh, Falcone crime family as well. So sorry, spoilers for the comic run. If you were not familiar, I spoiled myself, to be honest, reading the, about this for this episode. Um, that's how this movie is going to play out. And then we're going to get a post credit scene, of course. And this is going to be a play on the Iron Man 3 post credit scene uh, where we watch uh, Bruce Wayne enjoying a drink and telling this story to someone. So it's revealed like he's been telling this story. 
Uh, it's ultimately revealed to be Arthur Curry as they stand as a stand-in for Bruce Banner. Uh, we get a little alcohol-induced banter between these two. So uh, the it was just really lighthearted and sort of meant to be like funny to see Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner in the Iron Man 3 scene. And so we're going to get echoes of that here in this version. It's not necessarily going to tease or hint at anything or really further uh, the overall story quite yet. But that is Batman 3. Moving on, after after uh, Iron Man 3, we did get the second entry in the Thor franchise. And so standing in for Thor The Dark World, we are going to get Wonder Woman, Gods and Mortals, also coming out in 2018. So this story is going to be inspired partially by Wonder Woman 84, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I do think there are some elements we can take from it. Uh, notably, the return of Steve Trevor and the introduction of Barbara Minerva who eventually becomes Cheetah. And we're also going to take a little bit of story from the Gods and Mortals uh, storyline in the Wonder Woman comics, which if you're not familiar, it actually is very similar to the storyline of the Wonder Woman movie, which we already talked about last time. Specifically, what I want to take from that is that Wonder Woman ends up uh, falling and or to near death or to death. I, I'm not sure I quite understood it. I have not read the specific storyline, but I was reading... Uh, about it and she is is ha has to be re revived uh by the gods by zeus and i believe by poseidon uh so that's the element that we want to take from that storyline so the characters we're going to see in this one we're going to have diana prince wonder woman returning we're going to see uh the amazons in the community that she's been surrounded with as well um steve trevor is going to return we're just going to throw it that there was some like god stuff happening and that's how he ended up coming back as opposed to the ridiculousness that happens in wonder woman 84 he will just be revived he will not be have his consciousness in someone else's body because that was weird uh, so we'll just write that part out uh, we're going to get barbara minerva like i said who's going to be a like a work friend colleague of diana's like we saw in wonder woman 84 i think that's fine i should also mention i see this movie happening in the modern day it doesn't need to be set in the 80s um there's no reason it couldn't take place in the modern day so that's what we're going with and then the villain for this story uh along the lines of sacrifice and rebirth it's going to be hades the Lord of the Dead, the God of the Underworld, uh, makes a lot of sense to me as a natural villain. So we saw Wonder Woman take on Ares in the first movie. She's now going to be taking on Hades in this story. Uh, important story beats, um, kind of hinted at it already, but it's going to ultimately explore the themes of sacrifice, death, and rebirth through Steve and Diana, both of which uh, Steve in the original Wonder Woman movie and then Diana in uh, Justice League, as well as then this one, have experienced that willingness to sacrifice themselves, uh, death, and then rebirth. Steve is ultimately going to uh, opt to, to pass on uh, after at the end of this movie, rather than exist in this modern world that he really doesn't belong to unfortunately separating himself and uh diana for the rest of the dceo or for the foreseeable future of the dceo so obviously one of them is going to triumph over hades and uh his army of the underworld uh we're going to see a post credit scene here where we get teased a headline of barbara's transformation into cheetah amanda waller is being consulted in a war room 
Should we track this one down? Ask an Argus agent. No, not the right fit. Fit, with all due respect, ma'am, I'm not sure how you see any of these freaks fitting together at all. It's an easy enough formula. All you need for a great team is a combination of skills and the right motivation, responds Waller, as she's shown to be examining the schematics for a small remote explosive. So this post-credit scene is obviously hinting at Amanda Waller um, making some plans to manipulate a group of very interesting individuals into a, a team that can uh, be very handy to her, that they have the right set of skills and she's able to provide the right motivation. So uh, clearly a nod to uh, a future Suicide Squad appearance. But not so fast because after Thor The Dark World, we did get a second entry in the Captain America trilogy, and that is Captain America the Winter Soldier. So the equivalent in this DCEU universe is going to be Superman, Man of Steel, taking place in 2019 in place of the Winter Soldier. And that movie is also going to largely inspire the storyline of this one. The characters that we are going to have Obviously, Clark Kent slash Superman. We're going to have Lois Lane return, Perry White returning, Jimmy Olsen returning. And then for villains, we're going to have Lex Luthor making his first appearance in the DCEU. So big player here, as well as, wait for it, Steel. So this is uh, sort of my own unique creation here that I'm, I'm playing with. Because um, as far as I could see, and I'm not as familiar with Superman comics, but... And I did do a little bit of research and just, I mean, very little bit of research here. So if, if I miss something, uh, you know, please don't tear me to bits. Um, but I, a cursory, you know, Google search and scanning a few of the first links here have not seen Steel as a villain, or at least not commonly as a villain. Uh, so let me explain in the important story bits. So we're going to get a scene uh, very similar to the open of the real world Justice League, uh, where we see Jimmy Olsen, although he's not identified as Jimmy Olsen, but we have, have gotten that after the fact. Uh, we see him on an assignment in a dangerous setting, and Superman is forced to step in to save his life. Though Jimmy had grown to resist Clark's protection and ultimately suffers a life-threatening gunshot wound. Jimmy is put into a medically induced coma until an experimental program funded by LexCorp creates a metallic suit of armor around him, saving his life and revealing him to become the DCEU's version of Steel. Steel inexplicably begins to hunt Superman, and it's revealed that Lex Luthor is behind the indoctrination of Olsen as a pawn to eliminate Superman, seen as an alien threat. So you can see how this is now meant to echo uh, the story beats of the Winter Soldier. So Jimmy Olsen is the stand-in for Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. I think even the fact that it's steel and you get obviously the Winter Soldier's metal arm is a fun play there. But Captain America and Superman have a lot of parallels as characters. I think it's interesting then to have, uh, you know, his best pal become an enemy in this movie as well. So I think that's why Jimmy Olsen makes a good uh, stand-in for the character of Steel, and Steel becomes a good adversary uh, in this universe, in this, this movie at least. Ultimately, the movie will end with Superman um, besting Steel in battle, though not willing to kill his best friend, uh, 
they they leave it at that. Uh, Luthor has been bested, but has not been fully defeated. He's running off in a private jet somewhere. Uh, maybe he's going to go chill on a yacht with some friends. Who knows? Um, and we are going to go to the post credit scene. We're shown Lex Luthor disappointed by the failure to eliminate Superman, but not discouraged. He's been funding research into the depths of space, and along with a chunk of kryptonite on his desk, we see a file with the code name Doomsday stamped on it. So the end credit scene of uh, The Winter Soldier, we get our first look at Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Um, so a couple of new Avengers, um, originally villains becoming Avengers. And I wasn't quite ready to add to the stable of the Justice League heroes just yet. So I did want to use this opportunity to tease another big bad villain um, that we could be seeing sooner rather than later uh, in this version of the DCEU. Obviously, that being Doomsday, who plays a big role, uh, obviously, in the death of Superman and in both the comics and in uh, Batman v Superman, the movie. This puts us halfway through phase two of this version of the DCEU. And, you know, we just teased it. So why don't we pay it off now? Uh, we're going to see Suicide Squad taking place in 2019 in place of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so this story is the story is inspired by basically just that first Suicide Squad movie. Um, I know people have feelings about it. I think that it could have been executed better. I think there, there's been a big push from uh, the director of that movie to have a director's cut released, obviously in, in the shadow of the Snyder Cut drama. So I think there is a better version of the movie that exists. Do I think it's probably, you know, like amazing? Probably not. But um, I think that this is a decent enough story for us to continue with. I think we got some characters that we were interested in, at least Harley Quinn um, in particular, obviously was great here as, as the introduction. So I think we'll just roll with that storyline. The characters that we'll have here, we're gonna have Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Amanda Waller, Rick Flagg, Killer Croc, Diablo, or is it El Diablo, Diablo, I'm not sure. Uh, Katana, a bunch of throwaway dead peoples. That's literally what I have in my notes here. A bunch of throwaway dead peoples. And then for the villain, we're going to have Enchantress, I guess, because that's what they did. I don't necessarily feel like I need to change it. I could just imagine it's whoever you want instead. Uh, and the Joker. We're going to get a little bit of Joker. A little payoff there from uh, Batman 3 reference. We saw uh, her run away with the clown. So that's Harley Quinn and the Joker, in case you didn't pick up on that. So that movie takes place. Basically, you're just very endeared to Deadshot and Harley Quinn in particular. Um, they end up triumph triumphing. Triumphing? Is that a thing? Why does it not sound like a word right now? Triumphing. They're, they are triumphant over uh, Enchantress. Diablo makes a sacrifice. Rick Flag some, says some dumb stuff about Katana and her sword. Um, yeah, basically, it's, it's just that movie. Uh, but post credit scene uh we'll probably have a, a post credit scene like in the suicide squad james gunn's movie uh where we have weasel come back and do something stupid so maybe he's one of the dead people like he was in that movie uh just because it's literally james gunn's you know dc version of the suicide squad so it's a stand-in for guardians of the galaxy it makes sense. Let's roll with that. And I think the Guardians of the Galaxy post credit scene was just the Howard the Duck reference. So it's another non-serious one, just kind of a, a throwaway fun scene that doesn't really progress anything or tease anything. But speaking of teases, we did have a pretty big tease 
at the end of that Superman movie. And so uh, the second Avengers movie came out after Guardians of the Galaxy. So the second Justice League movie is going to be coming out here after Suicide Squad. And that is Justice League Doomsday 2020. That's maybe an unfortunate coincidence. But yes, this movie is going to come out in the year 2020 in this alternate universe uh, with a story inspired by, obviously, uh, Age of Ultron. It's going to be inspired by Batman v Superman. And it's going to be inspired by uh, Superman, uh, the death of Superman storyline in the comics. For characters, we're going to have all our returning Justice League members. We're going to have Bruce Wayne, Batman, Arthur Curry, Aquaman, Diana Prince, Wonder Woman, Clark Kent, Superman, Dinah Laura Lance, Black Canary, and Oliver Queen, Green Arrow. For the villains, we are going to have Lex Luthor returning and, of course, Doomsday. This is largely going to follow, like I I said, like from BVS, we're going to get that Lex Luthor um, was somehow responsible for creating Doomsday. You know, he was able to splice alien DNA, uh, probably not with his own like he did in that movie. But let's just say he somehow can create this monster who is capable of killing not just Superman, but is a major threat to the Justice League as a whole. Some important story beats here. The Justice League is now operating independent of Amanda Waller and Argus, uh, wanting to distance themselves from her work with the Suicide Squad. Uh, Justice League and particularly Superman slash Wonder Woman are growing polarized reputations. Um, So this essentially means that people are praising them as gods or they are fearing them as, well, gods. Uh, So... Luther Crew successfully creates Doomsday with the sole purpose of killing Superman. The Justice League fight the monster and seem to hold him off until, ultimately, the heroes are separated and Doomsday is able to accomplish its mission, killing Superman. Batman, Black Canary, and Green Arrow are able to reach Luthor and learn a way to defeat Doomsday. They relay this information to Wonder Woman and Aquaman, who kill Doomsday, but the damage has already been done. So we're obviously substituting uh, a very new and minor character death that was thrown in there to raise stakes in Age of Ultron, Quicksilver, with a very major death uh, and founding member Superman in this storyline. And so we're going to see the Justice League ultimately triumph because they're able to stop Doomsday, but they've lost Superman, the greatest superhero of all time. This leads to a post-credit scene where we see coverage of Superman's funeral on a television screen. The headline Death of Earth's Protector scrolls across the screen, followed by What's Next for Justice League. The TV shuts off, and in the reflection of the black mirror, we can see a bright, shining logo, Cord Industries. So this is a big curveball, because uh, if you're familiar with the MCU, you know that Ant-Man actually followed Age of Ultron and was the conclusion to Phase 2. And obviously Ant-Man has an obvious counterpart in the DC universe in uh, Captain Atom or the Atom, Captain Atom, Ray Palmer basically has the same abilities as Ant-Man able to shrink and and grow in size. So that would have been an obvious way to go. However, I think for the way that this universe is going to be playing out and the way that the source material is, is in the comics, it makes more sense for the next movie to be Blue Beetle, also taking place in the year 2020 in place of Ant-Man. And funny enough, it is also a bug 
So <laughs> that, it does fit that way. Even if it's not the same powers, it is also a bug. So if you're not familiar with Blue Beetle, um, he is incredibly intelligent. He is power doesn't have powers, but he does have a suit um, with a lot of like gadgets that he uses. And so his intelligence and his gadgets are what make him a superhero. Um, so again, is very much in line with Ant-Man as a character, is, is just a person with, you know, smarts and a powerful, you know, a really incredible suit that gives him the ability to, to fight crime uh, to save the world essentially as a superhero. So this is going to follow the general kind of beats of Ant-Man. The characters that we're going to have here, um, specifically we're going to have Ted Kord as Blue Beetle. So he is the, um, you know, the genius inventor, founder of Kord Industries. Um, so he's very rich. He's another <laughs> smart, rich guy um, who created a suit a la Tony Stark. And a little bit of Batman in there, I guess, too. And we're also going to have Dan Garrett, who is the original Blue Beetle. So this also echoes Ant-Man's story where we get Scott Lang, who is not the original Ant-Man, um, but a successor to Hank Pym. Um, so we're going to get that like similar mentorship. And that's where I wanted to pull in the uh, Ant-Man storyline. I think you could also make it a heist movie. I don't know too much about Blue Beetle, to be totally honest. So I think that this kind of makes sense or you could totally make something uh, make sense here but in all honesty I, I ran out of steam a little bit here as far as like the research goes into uh, Blue Beetle storylines but I think you could make a fun story here um, with that same sort of mentorship element and I, I really would keep it a heist movie still I think that that would be a lot of fun with the gadgets um, that you could have with with Blue Beetle. But you obviously do need a villain here. And in, in place of a yellow jacket from the Ant-Man movie, we're going to get um, a villain that Blue Beetle has crossed paths with in the comics. And that is Maxwell Lord, who um, in the real world we just saw in Wonder Woman 84. Maxwell Lord, I think, makes sense as the villain here because we've seen him uh, as as wealthy, as a, you know, a pretty smart guy, but a little like skeevy overall who would try and manipulate people so i could see him sort of taking that darren cross role from the ant-man movie and trying to um you know get his hands on the blue beetle suit or like specific gadgets that he possesses and so maybe that makes him like he does a villain turn at some point where you think he's just like a trusted guy to um ted cord but he is ultimately scheming against him and is his uh villain and he's going to have uh i don't know if he's gonna we're gonna get a mirror match like we do in ant-man but we're gonna see the two face off and obviously blue beetle is going to be triumphant here and then that sets up our final post-credit scene of phase two uh and i if it ain't broke don't fix it so basically the ant-man post-credit scene uh, where we get the Winter Soldier seen uh, with his arm in like a vice and we see Falcon and Captain America having a conversation. Um, they are trying to figure out if Bucky is Bucky or if he's still possessed ultimately. And so this is a setup for Captain America Civil War. So our post credit scene in the DCEU is going to essentially just be that exact scene, but we're going to sub in Steel uh, this is obviously the Jimmy Olsen version of Steel that we saw in uh, Superman Man of Steel earlier. And then we're also going to see Batman as a stand-in for Captain America. 
and Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, as a stand-in for Falcon. So those two are having the conversation. Is this someone we can trust? I think you lose a little bit of that familiarity because it's not like it. Superman's dead, so he can't be the one standing there. But Batman and Green Arrow, who I think could, could have a very close bond here, um, very similar upbringings and everything, have a mutual respect after fighting through a couple of very intense uh, battles together, could be there questioning whether or not they can trust Jimmy Olsen as Steel. And I think it works. Ultimately, I think it works as a, as a very nice post credit scene. And it's going to set up Phase 3, the first movie of Phase 3, which, like I mentioned earlier, I am going to have to come back and revisit at another time. So I will definitely be doing that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. It is a lot more movies. Let me let me count really quick. We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 movies in Phase 3 compared to 6 each in Phases 1 and 2. So a lot more work, literally about double the amount of work. And uh, always have a lot more to consider now that I've sort of established canon. Uh, so I'm going to be plugging away at that stuff in the background here when I've got time for it. Um, in the meantime, we are going to have another mainline episode of the podcast one week from the release of this episode. So as I mentioned, uh, the main episodes of the podcast like this are going to be continuing on. They will be continuing on Thursdays bi-weekly so every other thursday um starting next week so next week is going to be episode 305 as i'm recording this right now god of war ragnarok is installing on my playstation so i am gonna stop recording i'm gonna play that and then i'm gonna be joined by isaac aka infernal griffin in a few days here we're gonna be recording our first impressions of god of war ragnarok Uh, both of us will have a chance to have played at least a little bit and we're gonna be breaking it down you know we're not gonna spoil anything presumably but we are gonna give our thoughts about this new game in the god of war franchise probably touch on uh you know our our personal histories with the god of war franchise as well and and some of the things we've loved about past games and what we're enjoying and maybe not enjoying as much in this new one so if you're looking forward to god of war ragnarok um, definitely make sure you are checking out the next episode of the podcast But that's going to wrap us up on this second part of episode 304 of the Waiting in the Sky podcast. What would the DC Extended Universe look like if it followed the formula set by Marvel Studios? I think I've given this (laughs) multi-part episode here a bunch of different names, but that's essentially what what it was. Uh, So this is phase two. Like I said, next week we will be having our first impressions of God of War Ragnarok. and. We are going to be continuing the YouTube exclusive Pokemon challenge videos on a monthly basis. So check that out. If you are not yet subscribed on YouTube, please do so. I definitely appreciate it. Um, If you can like and comment on this video as well, that definitely goes a long way towards supporting the channel and supporting me. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you are listening to this on your favorite podcast app, then uh, please consider rating and reviewing the show as well and as following if you're not already doing so. That also goes a long way towards supporting me and it really means so much. I'm TJ. This has been Waiting in the Sky with TJ Starman. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you'll stick around for more.